um, the time where I was actually born, we had a, it's sort of called like a civil unrest. So the military took over, right? So mm -hmm. it was not a good place. You're going to get food, you know, like it was just horrible. So my mom's mother was in the U.S. So she applied for the green card, but it took 10 years wow. for her to get it, right? So, you know, for people being impatient now, think about this 10 years to get something. Um, and then we left, we moved down. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back, Money Talkers. Uh, I'm here today with Tom Liebelt. Um, he has got a really crazy story about being a world traveler, uh, written over 5,000 Kindle books, built successful SEO and course management companies, and... Uh, and his move from Poland to get out of communism to the U.S. to Thailand. And so we're going to kind of dive into all these things and start talking about some of the, uh, the world traveling and the, uh, and the ab ability to identify good businesses and these kinds of things. So first of all, I want to say welcome to the show, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Um, I guess I really kind of want to get into the first part of the story is like, mm. how, how did you go from Poland <laughs> to the U.S. to Thailand? <laughs> like, that's such an odd, uh, I guess... Um, not an odd, but I, well, I guess odd, but an, an untraveled path, I guess. Sort of is. But so what happened when I was born, um, my parents tried to get out of Poland, right? They, they tried to escape because it just wasn't a good place. Um, the time where I was actually born, we had a, it's sort of called like a civil unrest. So the military took over, right? So mm -hmm. it was not a good place. You couldn't get food, you know, like it was just horrible. So my mom's mother was in the U.S., so she applied for the green card, but it took 10 years wow. for her to get it, right? So, you know, for people being impatient now, think about this, 10 years to get something. Um, and then we left, we moved down. Um, and with my travels, like everyone's dream um, in Poland, right, was to go to the U.S. or Germany or wherever you, you want to, um, make that type of money and come back to Poland with it. Because back then, the, um, the currency exchange rate was insane, right? Like people would make $150 a month, right? Really? So if you made, yeah, if you made like two or $3,000 in a month and you moved back then, back to Poland, like you were bowling, right? Like after a year or two of savings. <laughs> it's not like that now. The U.S. is not as, you know, as high up anymore. Poland, definitely very advanced. But back then, that's how it was. So... What I did is I kind of followed that dream. I was like, okay, well, I'm making money in the U.S. and I'm going back to Poland now. Finally, after like 20-something years. What, what were you I doing got, at that time? Um, I think when I first went back, it was just my SEO business yeah. um, that was running. So you were portable too? 
So it wasn't it was like portable, you just made yeah. the money and then, you know, we're taking your savings back. Like you had a business to take back with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like my thought was, I'm going to do one step farther than that. And I'm going to make money currently, like wherever I am in the U S and then go back. After going back to Poland, I realized two things. One, the weather is not great. So, you know, you got two, three months where it's beautiful, you know, and then Poland is super advanced in Warsaw and not advanced enough for us anywhere else, which really? means the internet sucks. Yeah, yeah, the internet just sucks. So in Warsaw, it's beautiful. But what that means that you are now paying prices very similar to a major city in the US, right? Like you're going to get an apartment for $2,000, which is bowler, but it's still $2,000, right? It's not the same, con you know, conversion anymore. So then I started traveling around different countries to Asia, Europe, all over. I stayed like a month in Prague, a month in Lisbon, a month in Berlin, a month in Taiwan, a month, you know, it's all over the place. And I found Thailand to be one of those like kind of happy mediums. Like I'm still getting like a pretty good bang for the buck, like not great, but think maybe 50% less or 60 uh, than I would in the US, but the weather is great. Really? Right? So, yeah. So, so I got the weather now. <laughs> you got the is, beaches and the water and everything yeah, else, right? Go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's been the closest to what I wanted to accomplish and like my parents wanted to, except Poland was not the place. It yeah. It's just like I still love it. But once again, two months a year in Warsaw, prices are high and they're rising too. So soon it's going to be like the same, same price. You know? Yeah. So, so were you able to work during that whole time? Like as you were bouncing, you know, you said a month in Prague, going to Taiwan, going to Thailand, like you were keeping your business running that entire time? I did. Um, what I did, which, you know, I think was brilliant, but not so good for me at the same time, is I created really good systems. So I was not needed in the business, right? Which means I didn't have to work. The money was coming in. And the bad part is there's no pressure, right? You need pressure. Like that's the thing I like about this time right now with the Corona thing, you know, so we have a lot of pressure on us and there's some urgency, right? That's kind of how you make a diamond, right? You got the, you got more free time, more pressure, urgency, how we make things. When I moved out, I didn't have that. I had time, zero pressure, you know, and not really motivated then like money's coming in. Like, why should I do anything? I was kind of just traveling and enjoying life. Um, but it wasn't good for my business. Yeah. So um, I'm talking about that now. Like, how did you, how are you able to keep clients while do you have a team? Like, is your team working for, like, do you have, do you use like contractors? Like what kind of systems did you work on to set up for, to be able to afford yourself so much time because working yourself out of a, you, 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 it sounds like you planned yourself out of your job, which is cool. You know what I mean? That's, I think that's what the goal <laughs> is for a lot of people, right? Like that's the four hour work week. Like the epitome of that is, you know, there is a downside to having too much time on your hands, but I think the goal is if I've got a 60 hour a week job, like how do I do what you do? All right. So I'll share what I learned. I think it'll be easier that way because my assumptions um, were very wrong in the beginning of my business. Right. So initially uh, with the SEO business, I would meet in person. Right. I was um, building this business in Atlanta at the time. Um, cause I moved from New York and I was doing meetings in person, sometimes going even to the people's businesses once a month to follow up. Um, and, and yeah, I build a system because, you know, SEO, it's, you know, on page, off page, you create systems, backlinks. Yeah. It's just something that's pretty easy to, um, to make processes around. 
Um, the good thing about that business was that it was recurring, right? Yeah. Mostly SEO was a monthly thing, which was great. You know, and that's something I learned from working at different businesses before as just an employee. Oh, I sell something, I make a thousand dollars and then these guys are making 30,000 from that. Not cool. I need to do that myself. So it was kind of, you know, that pushed me into the SEO. When I moved out um, from the US, it was a weird time and I got a bit lucky too. Um, we used to use something called blog networks to rank websites, right? Which was when you paid for the blog networks monthly, then you would post like hundreds of blog posts, get backlinks, blah, blah. Google shut that down back then, completely. What, what they, they, was, I know the big one. What was it? Was it Squidoo or something? What was the one that was like humongous and all of a sudden it just wiped off the map? It was, um, what was that? There was like a micro blogging. So the one we used and it pretty much destroyed that industry was Build My Rank. I don't know why, but it just came to my hand now. BuildMyRank.com, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we I, we did we had didn't done something like that too, and it was like the easiest thing to do. Like we ranked easiest. nationally for like the, you know we were a company in, in in this one town in Florida, and like we were ranked national. It was like us and like we were on Yahoo News and Google and all this stuff, and yeah. all of a sudden just one day, gone, gone. It, right. it was a penguin or something. It was just <laughs> well, no. So Google figured out what we were doing, and they just went through. They got an account with this company, and they just de-indexed all the web websites that had our plugs on it like so thousands of people got wiped out yeah anyways i got this big team and they're used to creating a lot of content so you know i moved out and i was like well do i fire these guys because it's a great team you know i've been with them but then someone told me about the kindle books it was just coming into play yeah so i told my team i was like well you're writing content why don't you just write kindle books and let me know how it goes within four to five months, they were breaking even. And then we were making a lot of money with that. Really? So it was again, yeah. And I was not doing almost anything. So wait, so what would this, so they were writing Kindle books. So like how long of a book and like, were you selling these? Like, were these like a couple bucks sales or like what? Yeah. So back then, um, Amazon was doing two things, right? Like you could sell your book and we found our sweet spot was $4, mm -hmm. which means 70% profit for us. Um, and they also paid you for rentals. So if someone rented your book, right? So we just hit on all the, we did the same keyword research as we would do with the blog posts. If we yeah. would just create short books, like 30 to 40 pages and a lot of pictures and stuff. And they sold, they sold. We, we, we had a lot of sales. We eventually came out to about 5,000 books before like, you know, started plateauing and we just killed the business. Really? It was, yeah, it made a lot of money. Um, but anyways, when I moved out, right, um, I had this weird feeling like, you know, how am I going to run a service business? Because I was still getting recurring. The Kindle was working, but I wasn't working myself because I wasn't meeting clients. And I realized it was just in the wrong niche. So here's the problem, right? Like when you're marketing to everyone, um, and, you know, I had a marketing agency too, which, you know, SEO agency, but I'll give an example of the marketing agency because it's easier. You know, when you're marketing to everyone, which we did, you know, um, any business, e-commerce, whatever, someone comes up to you and goes, like, why should I take you over someone like Jay Abraham or Dan Kennedy? And then you're just like, there's, there's like zero reasons. Unless you're broke and you can't afford those guys, then you kind of come to me, right? Because that's, you know, you obviously want to work with those guys. When we eventually moved into our own niche, which was the course marketing, online courses, e-learning, right? That, that whole niche that's when we everything became easier 
you know, I became, instead of being a little fish in a huge pond, I became a very big fish quickly in a small pond. So now if someone says like, why should I work with so-and-so? I was like, well, I take his clients all the time. That person doesn't actually do the work anymore. Gee, Abraham, he has no clue. He hires people like me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So instead of me searching for clients and like someone says, if someone told me right now, Tom, you need to come to my office and talk with me. I'll be like, please, get out of here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so by, by becoming that, like everything shifted. Like now I get to tell people like when you book a time with me, you know, if someone says like, oh, can you give me a discount? I was like, no, I can charge more and just get out of here. Like, I don't need it at all, right? So things changed. And I realized even the time difference doesn't matter anymore. Like when I was first starting out in the e-learning space and I just didn't have the confidence, the case studies, all that stuff too, I would get on the phone at 9 p.m. like we're doing now. Where at this moment, a prospect will not get me on the phone in the evening, no matter what. I'm like, yeah. I speak in the morning or afternoons. If you don't like it, take someone else. And I've never had a problem, right? So just so um, people listening understand, because I know what it is, but like explain the e-learning, what you do, like what, what kind of coursework you're building, because there's a lot of people, even though once you're in the world of knowing kind of what that is, like around, you know, KBB and ClickFunnels and all these kinds of different programs where people are putting out coursework and that kind of stuff. Like what are, what are, what can you kind of uh, explain it? Yeah, so the easiest way to think of it is just monetizing your expertise, right? Like if you know something uh, that transforms a person, right? So before they did not know this thing, so they're at point A, and after they take your course, they now know it, so they're at point B. There's a transformation that happened, a clear transformation, like they didn't know how to um, pass the Series 6 exam for life insurance. Now they know how to pass it. They didn't know how to um, do 50 pull-ups. They can now do 50. We write so any transformation doesn't matter what it is, and it's got a value on it because that's you know when you can sell things, it's got to have a value. You know, I've seen people coming up with courses that don't sell, have no value, and you know I tell them to try again. Um, but it needs to have a value, and it's it's that's all of this, right? So what we've done is we started working with course creators, and in the beginning, like this happened naturally too. So my SEO business, uh, one of the clients was a gym in Atlanta. Um, it was a kickboxing gym. One of the managers at the gym was a Muay Thai champion. So Muay Thai is actually a martial arts pro. So he was a champion. We became friends after I ranked the gym really well and he seen my work ethic. And he asked me to create a course for him, an online course. He's like, well, you know, I train people in person sometimes. I would want to move it online. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I did. I helped him create the course. You know, then he said, let's market this. If you're a marketer, I was like, yeah, but I have no clue about online courses. So again, took a long time, you know, tried it. And eventually we got it going, you know, then I got referrals and, you know, the business started and eventually it's just, you know, that's what I do. Um, But it did come naturally, you know, everything like it was kind of organic. Like I didn't find the niche, like it kind of just like, you know, it's like when people say like, hey, you should start a podcast. And then you say, oh, that's the dumbest idea ever. And the next day you start a podcast, you know, and then you see what happens. You know, well, you know, it's, uh, I usually do things. it's like, uh, well, that's what Richard Branson said, right? <laughs> that if somebody offers you a great opportunity, take it and figure out how to do it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, and this is, this is the thing that happened. Um, we found two opportunities that came from that. One is we can help people create online courses, creation part. Second one is market them. We, we took both on, 
we quickly realized we hate the first one. Really? The course creation, it's really just babysitting people to do their work. I'm not a babysitter. So we killed that off and just do course marketing now. But again, we know we tried both really quickly. We got clients and I was like, very fast. You're just like, no, I just don't like this. It's not that we couldn't do it, that we, you know, we just, we didn't like it. So we moved to the, you know, what we like to do. So what traits do you look for on a course that you know will be successful? So it's, it's the thing I kind of mentioned in the beginning, right? It's, there needs to be a clear transformation, you know, not like a wishy-washy broad, like, you know, I will make you feel better or happier or feel less anxiety. It's very broad. Um, it's, it's gotta be specific, right? Like you don't know how to, um, create some kind of a thing and I will teach you how to do it, right? Like uh, maybe you need to help uh, building a business plan. I'll help you do that. You need help getting a loan. I'll help you do that. I'll, I'll help you um, figure, learn your bookkeeping, right? And you'll be able to file your first taxes, right? Like it kind of needs to tie into something. That's a clear transformation, right? So we look for something that's clear and then, then we can put value on it. How long, how, some are not, is, there, is there a length to these courses that you see that there's a successful range? Like, is there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, like the thing you look for, um, with the length is the type of audience you're going after. Right. So there are two, you have the Wolf, uh, Walmart shopper and the Nordstrom shopper. The Walmart shoppers typically like Udemy type stuff and they like them because they'll get 30 hours and a bunch of toilet paper for $7. Mm -hmm. That's Walmart shoppers. Right. Nordstrom shoppers they will pay a thousand dollars, but they don't want to waste time. Right. Yeah. So it's someone that actually has an hourly uh, value now. Right. So they know how much their time is worth where Walmart shoppers like, I don't care. You know, they'll never take the course anyways. So what we found is with the most valuable courses, um, when you're selling them, instead of adding stuff on, you want to take things away because that person that's about to take your course is thinking, well, okay, you're charging me $1,000 for the course. It's three hours. My hours worth $300. That course is actually costing me $2,000. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Where would a Walmart shopper is like, oh, I'm getting a bargain. No, you that's, a, I, so yeah, that's because I mean, you see them, you see both types. So you'll see these ones with huge value stacks and it's like $47. And you're like, do I really have 30 hours to spend after 47, spending $47 on something? Like, what am I really going to get out of this? Like, is this, am I going to sit through filler and you know, all this stuff? And it's, uh, but the other part about that is one of my favorite sayings that I ever heard was, uh, there was a, uh, there was a father writing a letter to his son and he said, son, if I had more time, I would have wrote a shorter letter. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and yeah, so that's is hard. Yeah. yeah so that, that what you're talking hard. about, instead of it's, it's easy to add all kinds of bells and whistles, which is funny because if you did SEO and you did uh, websites and things like it's really easy to add a bunch of stuff to a website, but it's really hard to get one that just converts the one thing that you want it to do. Right. You got to stay on that North star that you got to stay on that one path, yeah. that one clear outcome. And that kind of sounds like that's the main thing that, you know, to, to, to drive as a successful course is then is to say like, here's your outcome. Yeah, I'm assuming it's, it's, that the, that those are the kinds of courses from just talking with you, like that those are the ones that you guys like to focus on. It is, and and what you just said is for every single piece that you create online, right? Like any page that I ever look at, whether it's a sales page, opt-in page, blog post, anything, I always say like, what's the direct clear outcome that you want from this? Mm. Because if I can't figure it out, 
I don't think your client can either, right? So that's the first thing I ask, like, well, what's the point of this page? And most of the time people don't know, they're just like, oh, I just wrote this. I was like, well, why? You know, like, well, you should know why you're doing something before you do it, you know, so then you can kind of, yeah, so there's a point to it. So yeah, that's, that's what the course, right? If someone can't answer me directly, like, why should I buy this course? Who's the perfect client? I'm like, well, why did, why did you make it? Because, you know, and trust me, I found some funny answers too from people. Like, you know, there was this one lady, she, uh, she <laughs> did a weight loss course, right? And I'm like, oh, you're getting into the most difficult niche in the planet, you know? So she, she didn't have much of a budget. So I was like, well, you know, okay, fine. Why did you create it? And what qualifications do you have? Because this is a health course. So I'm asking, she's like, well, no qualifications. I lost seven pounds on something. I was like, okay. And then, you know, why? Oh, I traveled uh, to Spain or something. I don't feel like going back home to go to work. I was like, really? Like, that's the reason for you to create the course? <laughs> and, you know, obviously. Fund my I vacation. <laughs> I lost seven pounds. Yeah, Fund so, my vacation. Here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, she, she didn't become a client. We don't take anyone like that on. But I, I hear stuff like this, right? And it's like, you know, you're, people are doing things backwards. It's like I've seen a lot of the younger entrepreneurs fail. Well, they're not even entrepreneurs yet, but wannabe fail because they, for some reason, wanted to build an audience without any, having anything to sell them or there being a point to this audience. You know, I don't know if you've encountered this, but I have. And I was like, that's completely backwards. Like, I have a very small audience and I'm doing really, really well. You're building this huge audience and you can't even get them to buy you a pizza. Mm. Explain that to me. Right. Mm. So, but I have a purpose. Like I know why I'm building my audience where they don't, you know what I mean? Like, so I've, I've seen this, this is like the trend, this influencer trend, you know? Yeah. Like if I have a big enough following, I'll get a free hotel room. I was like, no, if you have a small enough following that pays really well, you don't need to ask. You just get the hotel room. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> different thinking. Yeah, no. And it's, um, you know, I think that the, uh, the attraction to that is because it looks splashy, right? So that's like, you see these people that will brag online with their rented car and rented mansion, or you'll see people that are, you know, like, oh, we did a million dollar launch. And it's like, wow, that's really awesome. What'd you spend? They're like $999,000. <laughs> you know, it's like, you made a thousand bucks, man. So it's like, you know, but it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more, uh, I think attractive or splashy from the beginning, but if you kind of know what, how to, how it really works, like you really don't, you need to be an, an, an inch wide, a mile deep, not a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. I think click funnels, um, for people who don't know what that, what that is, it's just a, a very popular piece of software with marketers. You know, that's, that's like the funny thing with their, um, awards, right? They have, they have these like two commas or something and yeah. all of this is revenue. Yeah, right? Like it's just, yeah. And then I've met some of these guys, you know, and they very close to what you said. It was like, yeah, we, we made a million dollars, but we spent 970,000 and six months, you know? And then when you kind of calculate this, I'm like, you, you kind of just did the minimum wage there, you know? But yeah. That's a right. lot of work. <laughs> yeah. The, um, it's, uh, but you know, I think the attraction there, I think they've done more good than harm, uh, in that community though, because it's, um, it's allowed a lot of people to kind of think about becoming course creators and becoming, putting this uh, information out. Like I think we're in, a, in an amazing time right now because mm. like you said, if you've got somebody that uh, has done Muay Thai their whole life, they're a champion and 
unless you know what gym to go to, what guy to talk to, and you happen to be in his class, like it would be pretty hard to learn from him. But if in the online world right now, if you wanted to learn from a Muay Thai champion how to be a kickboxer, like you can go find his course and you can take yeah. it from anywhere in the world. And it's just, it's leveled the playing field of having to be in one place to, to learn from the best people out there. And I think it's just starting to take over, you know, I'm starting to see these masterclass things where like, you know, there's, there's world-class ballerinas teaching you ballet and, you know, Steph, uh, uh, Steph Curry from the NBA, the two-time MVP is like shooting you how to shoot jump shots. Like, you know, there's these, crazy classes you got neil degrasso teaching you like <laughs> astrophysics you know yeah and so yeah. there's these really cool uh it's a really cool time right now to to get the information from some of the world leaders and uh but the thing is i don't think you need to be a world leader either and that's kind of where you're you know you're, you're finding freedom for people that maybe have been a painter for 30 years and they're like man i can't go work outside and paint anymore but you can take 30 yeah. years worth of knowledge and package it up to, to get somebody for $500. And now they get 30 years worth of painting knowledge and for 500 bucks. So here's the thing too, you know, that I've noticed, um, especially with small business owners, um, which I respect because I've had a couple myself, you know, so I, I know the overhead, the employees, the, you know, and taxes, like I, I get it. Um, and then, you know, a lot of them, when I, when I do talk to, to them, they say, oh, well, you know, I can't teach an online course. Like my customers, they're not going to buy a course from me. And I'm like, yeah, cause you're looking at the wrong customers. You know, it's not the people buying from you. It's your competition mm. that might, you know, if you've opened, um, a paint business, you know, like you said, and you've been able to make it work for 30 years. Don't you think that your competition, the painters coming in, trying to build that business, wouldn't want to know your method, your framework, your whole technique, and like, you know, get all the contracts and everything you've came up with over the years? They would. You or know? even better, the kid who's painting for $12 an hour that has bigger dreams and is like, I want yeah. to be a painter, but I don't know how to run a business. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, that's, yeah. the, that's a different clientele, right? Like you're looking at your competition, people aspiring to run that business. It's not people who are asking you to paint for them. It's the people who want to be like you, right? So I think, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just a shift of perspective too, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, and, and often when I've said stuff like that, people are like, oh, and next thing you know, they're building something online, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's a, um, and it's great because it's it, I, like I said, I think it helps level the playing field and the fact that like that $12 an hour kid that wants to own run a paint company, but really just holds back because he has no idea now has the ability to go and do something like that. And it creates more businesses and more wealth and, you know, it spreads knowledge a lot faster, which is pretty cool, you know? Well, and, and they learn a skill um, that's really transferable, right? Like they, if they take their business online, and start learning how to market and, you know, do some of these things. Then like, you know, if a situation like happened now happens, they're just like, it's just another problem to solve. Like I, I got this. That's why, you know, we are business people. We like problems. We like to solve them. Yep. So instead of like panicking, if they're like, cool, I'll figure this out, you know, cause they have the skills. It just means like, Oh, I have more free time now and more pressure and I get to stay at home and I'll build something like it's So I don't know. I, I, I think, being a bit versatile, it, it does help, you know, like you, you, especially 
some businesses like the travel businesses, right? Like they used to be seasonal, you know, and then they became kind of year round for some reason, which I'm like, oh, it's, a, it's a seasonal business. But then, you know, you could kind of foresee that anything that happens is going to just take it out of the whack. Like, you know, uh, the airline industry or the, the dollar, you know, an epidemic, like anything could have happened. It's like such a flimsy industry in the first place, you know, and then some of these people now have no skills and don't know what to do. I'm like, but you kind of knew, you know, like you didn't know, like I always feel like, you... so I, I do like, you know, the being versatile, like, you know, don't have one income stream, don't be tied to, you know, one thing, like things do happen, right? So with the online business too, like I understand um, that, a service business, for example, you know, it could go out of style, you know, maybe artificial intelligence, machine learning, right? So I'm always building different things around it to make sure that I'm not, you know, as fragile as, you know, some people. How, how would you, some, someone, um, you know, it's probably pretty relevant in today's time right now, um, being the fact that we had just a pause on the uh, economy, right? And so, yeah. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people that are considering these things now. Um, and so where would you recommend starting? Well, it depends what position you're starting from, right? It's, it's very different for all of us. Like for me, like I always wanted to do business. So it was more of a no brainer. I was just getting my skills set up. Right. So the one thing, you know, if you know how to persuade and sell, like you'll always be okay. Right. Mm. So those two skills, like if you don't know them, I, I would learn because like, that's the two things you don't want to outsource. You know, you can outsource the system once you figured it out, but you don't want to outsource the actual skill because that person owns your business, you know, mm. whoever takes it. So, you know, sales persuasion, and then either you're going to team up with someone that knows how to build whatever you need to sell, or if you're a builder, like you're all good. You don't need anyone other than support staff, you know? So, um, yeah, selling and persuasion, I would say. So with persuasion, it's more of being able to persuade through video and through writing, right? So something like copywriting, because those you can do from anywhere, right? So if a situation like this happens or you want to have a 24 seven salesperson, which is your sales page, you kind of learn that skill, set it in place and walk away and it works. So I think those are very valuable skills. Um, coding, you know, is sort of like reading now, you know, like we all should know the basics, but it's not something you, you know, you're competing with billions of people now with coding yeah. and a lot of them from much poorer countries, which you just, you won't be able to, you know, survive. Uh, it's becoming a commodity. Um, so I, I wouldn't focus on coding right now. I would maybe just do the basics. So we kind of know, you know, kind of how to read it and what's going on, but I, I that would not be a skill I would go after. Mm. And so if there's a lot of people right now that have businesses that are going to need a restart button or they're going to need customers, they're going to need traffic and those kinds of things. Like, what would you, what would you say to them that, you know, maybe they've kind of neglected on the website side of things. Uh, or they're going to try to figure out because their marketing budgets are going to get reset, right? They're going to have fewer dollars to spend, but they're going to need more impact for it. Like, where would you, where would you recommend that they turn to? 
what I've seen with the types of businesses that you mentioned, it's just clarity, right? Like they were doing nonsense for so long because things were going too well. So mm. for example, big companies spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads and all they want to see is how many impressions yeah. this ad got, which has nothing to do with sales. You know, instead of focusing on let's figure out how to create a real campaign that makes you money, it's like, oh, I just want to see millions of impressions, right? And now they're forced to be like, well, oh yeah, these impressions don't actually do anything. We need to actually run a business properly, you know? So just not being lazy. Like I found that is changing right now. Like people are actually focusing and be like, like I'm either going to run a business or be out of business. Mm. You know, it's not coasting anymore. You know, it's different for uh, small businesses, but these bigger ones, like it's just, you know, it's just pure laziness, you know, yeah. just coasting for so long. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a good time to kind of start over and look at all the different aspects of where you're spending money, you know? And so I think a lot of people are going to be doing that and, and it's a good time to, it's a good time to stand outside of your business and look at it and figure out what parts are being effective and which ones aren't. Yeah. That's what we've been doing with ours. Um, we've started seeing a lot of blind spots, mm -hmm. which we didn't see when things were going great, right? Because we were just so busy with everything that, you know, everything was just kind of, things are falling apart here, it's cool. We'll take care of it later. But now we're like, well, let's take care of it now. Yeah. So then when this, you know, we get out of it, we're going to be so much stronger, mm -hmm. you know, than even before. And I think that that's the, uh, I think that's the right attitude and mentality to have, which is, you know, uh, I'm going to take this time and reset and come out stronger and, and do that instead of just saying, well, you know, the world's, it's not my, it's my, it's not my fault. It's not my company's fault. The world just fell apart. You know, I saw that a lot in the, in 08, 09, you know, that mm -hmm. time where a lot of people just went, well, you know, the economy's bad, so nobody can run business. But I can tell you that as a, as a commercial banker during that time, like I had 300 businesses that were in my portfolio and 75, 80 of them came out of it. And those 7580 were making more money in 2010 than anybody was making in 08 because the people who just threw their hands up uh, got got you know out of business, and so they picked up their business, they picked up everybody else's, and they came out with a better product, better solution, better service, and were making more money um, because they took the they took the hard time and had the hard conversations and looked at themselves in the mirror, you know. Yeah, like, like even now. Um, you know, I'm seeing some businesses make more in the last two weeks than they did in the whole year. Mm. You know, so a lot, of e <laughs> a lot of no, a lot of e-commerce businesses, yeah. a lot of e-commerce <laughs> businesses like health stores, uh, gym equipment, puzzle makers, kids books, yeah. going insane with their you know with their traffic. Um, online courses have went up by probably 60, 70 percent in the uh -huh. customer straight to customer uh, mm -hmm. part of it. The ones selling to businesses, I've seen decline a bit, but the ones to customers, a lot more. Um, so people are, you know, making money. Like I've spoke with uh, one of the big platforms and they said this was the first month uh, where they've seen an increase of, I think, 70% of new course creators selling their first course, which mm. means there's a big portion of people who are like, you know what? whatever hit the fan immediately got to it started doing something else creating things selling them right so 
I mean, that's how winners are made, right? Like, you know, that's when the pressure hits, you know, it's like if you're in the sports and you mentioned, you know, like Steve Curry, like if you, you know, the, the new Bulls documentary is coming out soon on Netflix, which I can't wait. You know, when, when the pressure hits, like that's when you see who, you know, who's made of what. Like that, yeah. you know, those like last three seconds before the buzzer, you know, game is tied or you're behind. Like that's, you know, like you just, you got to step up sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, that's in, in it's a mentality thing because the world is the way the world is, right? Everybody's got the same, you know, we're all in the same situation, but some, some people are going to see it and say, you know what, man, time to buckle down and get this done. And then others are going to throw their hands up and the people that buckle down and get it done are going to come out on the other side stronger than they were. They went into it. Yeah. But you know, that's just the, you know, population in general, like, you know, you're always going to find the victims and you're always going to find the, you know, the people who are stronger, more resilient, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's like, what are you going to say to someone that's just always been coasting, you know, been employed their whole life, you know, it's like start a business now, like they barely do their job properly. Like it, it's, you know, no, you find this with employees, right? Cause it's for when I look, you know, like half the people I hire, I'm like, are you guys for real? You know? <laughs> like, can't even follow a process properly. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like natural selection in a way, but you know, I, I, I do think that the, um, the people who are very driven, like sometimes, you know, they might be lost, you know, because if you were driven building a gym, for example, and now you can't, you know, and you're kind of stuck, it's like, you know, this is the moment to start listening to, to podcasts and other things, you know, like uh, maybe out of your interest zone, because you want to get some new ideas and hopefully, you know, something sticks and you build up on that. But, you know, sometimes doing the same thing and just doubling down is not, you know, the best thing too. Yeah. So what, um, I mean, you guys help market these things and help market courses and help market these kinds of things. So like kind of, uh, where, where would people find out more about this? If it kind of strikes them and they're the ones that say, you know what, it is time to go do something or to get better at this. And there's maybe there's, you know, and I, and I don't mean just for, you know, people that are out of work or business owners, that kind of stuff. I mean, kids as well. You know what I mean? There's going to be, I think there's going to be a wave of kid entrepreneurs that come out of this. Um, oh, yeah. because they're at home, they're starting to learn this stuff. And they're like, wait a minute, like we could make a lot of money online courses. Cause it's really, you're speaking to your audience, you know, you just have to figure out yeah. what your niche audience is. And, uh, I think there's going to be courses coming out for those kinds of stuff for kids to go to. Our company is, uh, courses.com. Um, and that's kind of where we take people through the process, but we are not, um, really geared towards beginners. Right. So yeah, it's more of people who are already doing something and then we can just take it up to the next level right so if someone sold like ten thousand if they want to sell a hundred thousand they can't come to us because they're stuck um we do have um, a podcast smart brand marketing which you know i interviewed a lot of people that explain their journeys so it kind of helps it's kind of like yours but more niche it's more you know related to to the courses um but i don't think it's hard to find these days right like you know there's so many i i think the hard part is like knowing who's actually doing it and yeah. who's just talking nonsense because there's a lot of that i think that's one of the challenging things but even watching something like the profit i yeah. think very valuable you know i think um it's simple but it's also very difficult right so he keeps teaching the foundations over and over and over again and maybe you know but it's, it's things like that i think are really good um i don't the shark tank very much just because most startups never actually make any money, you know, and then, you know, the last thing you want to do, unless you have to, is get investors in your company. You know, it's better to own 
you know, by yourself, it's much easier. So I tend to avoid the startup scene as much as possible. You know, it's mm. like, I don't think it's a, you know, good, good idea to like, you know, get a million dollars, um, <laughs> build something for four years. You own like 3% of it and eventually hope you're going to make enough revenue or just get lucky and sell it. I think, you know, it's not, not a, that's not a real business to me for the most part, you know, and most startups fail. Or we can also look at, um, let me see, some of the old school guys, right? Like Dan Kennedy's books, G. Abraham books, you know, like um, Oglevy on advertising, uh, also a great book, Breakthrough Advertising. Like you, you'll, you'll get the foundations. You'll, you'll see where the people who are talking now borrow all of their ideas from pretty much, you know, like it goes after some of the older stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of repackaging. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, we're going to wrap up there. I, um, I want to thank you, Tom. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see behind the scenes um, because there's a lot, of, a lot of noise out there. And to talk to somebody that's actually, you know, taking these businesses to those levels is, is refreshing because it's not, you know, who's the loudest. It's actually, you know, who's actually doing the work. And I think that that kind of separates, I think, what we were just talking about where, you know, you usually see who's the loudest. And uh, to see some of the work coming from behind the scenes and to get an idea, um, I think a huge outcome or a, a huge takeaway from this is starting with the outcome and a transformation. So have a point and, uh, and begin with that end in mind, right? And so I think that's kind of, you mentioned a lot of startups fail. They don't start with the end in mind. It's just kind of like, I'm going to make a business and make money. Well, what are you going to do with it? You know, same thing. So if you can regroup and, and start say, hey, look, you know, it's time to time to review what I've been doing and, and where's my outcome and let's get clarity and, and be able to express that clarity and, uh, and provide more value than you're charging. You know, those are the basics. And so I want to thank you for coming on with us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of money talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker